Carrie Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. My guest this week came down to the studio for me to photograph him for a tie-in sequence he's doing for the next issue of the journal. And over the years, Wales has produced some exceptional sea trout anglers. My guest is no exception. I met him last year on his local river to record an earlier podcast. And as always, sea trout's podcasts have been so popular. So when he came down, I took the opportunity to record another. It's easy to see when chatting, he is obsessed with sea trout. Or in Wales, we call them suing. But in peak season, he fishes every single night, because he lives just beside the river. He talks and goes into depth of his understanding of sea trout, his most successful flies and tactics, and how to make the most of tough conditions. Welcome to my chat with Rob Redman. Welcome back, Rob. Thanks for having me back, Kat. Yeah, it's been about a 12 months, I think, since we did the last podcast when it came up to you. Yeah, it was. This wasn't exactly planned, but you came down now and we're in the studio and you did some uh, tie-in for the next feature, the winter feature for the um, Fly Fishing Journal. After we've done that, we sat down now and we had a, a couple of bottles of speckled in. Yeah. And then we decided then why not do a podcast? Yeah. So I don't know whether this is gonna be good news or not. Well <laughs> So how was you how was your season been? Yeah, it's been one of them seasons where it was a slow start, really dry, low water, and uh you know, the fish were pushing in but they weren't really coming in in numbers. They were always staying back down in the estuary, so um, it was a case of just buying time, waiting until, you know, fish turned up. Um, I think I took my first fish, which was £7 in July. Um, I remember that, seeing the picture of it. Yeah, so that was the first fish I had. So he was a, you know, a nice fish, multi-spawner, um, heavily spotted fish, so... Um, by uh, what I mean there, by multi-spawning fish, you know, the more spots of sea trout's got on him, the more times he's run the system. Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the. I know the, a girl; she got lots of spots. But <laughs> <laughs> you might know her. Yeah, I probably do. <laughs> I didn't know that. More spots. Yeah, so the more spots of fish has got, the more times he's run it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah so yeah that is the reason anyway so uh yeah that that fish that i caught is a nice fish you know nice solid fish the the sort of fish you expect to catch that time of year yeah um there wasn't any numbers there um obviously that fish you know there wasn't a lot of fish in the pool at, at the time i caught that fish um i think um, the first bit of water we had in July bought the majority of fish in. Um, I noticed there was a lot of small 
uh, smaller sewing come in. So the smaller generation, the fish from about a pound to two pound, uh, plenty of them. So the first lift of water that we had, I went out fishing small flies. I had a lot of small fish, um, which Unt- was nice. Until that rain came, I guess I thought it was going to be a repeat of last year. Yeah, well, I, I I was starting to wonder myself as well. You know, it was looking very, very dry dry yeah. Yeah, at the start and a uh, bit worrying, really, for the amount of fish that was coming in. There was a lot of guys complaining, you know, about the numbers of fish that were coming in. And it was really, really um, daunting, really. But um, it, it, it did start after we had that first flood. I think it pulled fish in. Um, and then they were starting to come on station then in 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 the pools. Um, but the majority of the fish that I was catching throughout this last season just being now, they were all fish that were running. So they were either fish in the heads or fish in the, in the tail of the pool. They were, they were never in the bodies of the pools so or in, in, in the main body. Um, so Why was that then? Just because they're running fish, you know. The, I was catching them, so... The most productive time for me, anyway, this season, it varies from season to season, you know, but um, sea trout don't have watches, you know, they haven't got times. Um, they'll come on together, uh, so sometimes you'll, you'll have a take and then you'll have another take and then nothing. Um, they're usually the smaller fish, um, but when you bump into these bigger fish that are actually moving from pool to pool, they'll, they'll be more inclined to, you know, be at the head. <laughs> waiting um to run so the mo- the the best time so was they either just come in or at the head at yeah, the tail of the yeah. Yeah, yeah so if obviously if the, the, the that's the two movements so as the tail there you've got a fresh fish coming into the pool that's just run from the last pool um that's a place to try and then the head of the pool in the first hour of darkness was the most productive um because obviously sea trout and salmon they'll both move um, between dusk and dawn, so you know that that's the main two times dusk and dawn where fish will run, and that's probably the best time that I was coming across them. Really, I was fishing in the daylight hours, catching the smaller fish, but all the better fish were coming during the the night time. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's when I was bumping into the bigger fish. Obviously, um, right at the end of the season, I caught a good number of. Decent sea trout. Um, I think the biggest one I had was about seven, eight pound in the day. Coloured fish, but still nice. You know, he's more than welcome with with, with the season that we've had. But um, you yeah. probably caught more than most. Looking at social media, everyone was like doom and gloom, but you still you were ticking along and you were still catching fish throughout the time. I suppose at the end of the season, the conditions just were were wrong. We had too much rain then, didn't we? Yeah, I think what it is, if you wait for these right conditions, right, you'll never, you'll, you know, you'll you'll never go out because the way this season's gone and the way it's run, <coughs> we've always had, we've had rain all the time. The river's been fluctuating, you know, and these fish, they're not going to stop for anybody, you know, so you've got to get out and you've got to fish for them. Um, and then it's it's a case of, for me, anyway, past experiences, you know, I've seen this through, you know, I've, I've, 
I fished from a very young age, right? And I've seen all these conditions. You know, I, I've seen, I know what level of water to go out on um, to be the most most productive and where I'm going to find fish during these hours, you know? You were saying you're out most evenings when in peak season. Do you find there's times where you're sort of afraid not to go out in case you miss something, so you force yourself to go out? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, for me anyway, the only thing that will deter me from going out fishing on a night will be if the water's too high and it's too coloured. You know, if I haven't got visibility of about two foot, right, I won't bother. At night? At night. So, you know, I'll go down, I'll have a look at the river and I'll think to myself, not really worth it and I'll go home. But if I go down there, visibility is all right, still running high and fast, I'll still fish it. You know, it, it won't uh, put me off. You've just got to know then where these fish are going to be in these, sort of, in these sort of levels. Sometimes I go out at the expense of not catching fish, if you know what I mean. Going out, experimenting things. Yeah. You know, it's not always a case of going out and trying to catch some fish and getting disheartened because I'm not catching fish. I want to I wanna know the reason why I'm not catching fish on good nights. When when them conditions, you'll get them conditions, right, where you'll go out and you'll think, oh, yeah, it's great tonight, the conditions are right, weather's great, water levels are right, and you won't get a touch. And it gets you thinking, why? But I don't go away from the river thinking, well... I'll just go home because it's no good tonight. I don't think like that. I always go, I'll try something else. And it's always trying something else that always catches me fish. Um, what have you learned this season? What I've learned this season is don't let the water levels put you off. You know, it's been a case of having to get out or because the season is so short as it is and it was even sh- more shortened further shortened by the way we had a really dry spell at the start um so technically we've only had half the season to fish you know it's not it's not a long time is it the sea trout fishing season goes probably quicker than most because it doesn't really start till july does it no no um <clears throat> yeah you know you get that june time where and May really May was the the main time for big fish to come in. There wouldn't be much of them, but if you got out there and made the most of it, put the effort in, you might be rewarded with a a good solid double figured fish. If there's water, yeah. If there was water, but really, what we look for in a sea in, in a sea trout season anyway is you know small rises, but often. You know what I mean? Like, just so the river's getting topped up every two weeks, eh? That's the perfect That's the perfect, tradition. yeah, that's the perfect thing to have in a sea trout river, where it just keeps them fish occupied and up on the fin. Um, and keeping them up on the fin, you know, you go out then with a bit of confidence, you know, when you've got flow, flies are working, you know, you know that them fish are getting plenty of oxygen, so if you can find one, then he might, he's got more, more, more often than not, he's going to lock up on you. So it's, it's nice sometimes to get them lifts often, but everything seems to be changing, you know. it's 
nature's changing, everything's changing, everything seems to be coming later and later. Um, it does, yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. Even fly life, you know, nature in itself, birds, you know, everything tells you a story throughout a season. And as things change, you'll notice that it affects a lot of things. It's like um, unsettled weather has a huge impact on fish and the way their behaviour is. Um, and for me, it's like, you know, I do a lot of grayling fishing, as you know, as well. Um, and if they get, it's like unsettled weather for them, right? They just switch off where people think grayling are very obliging fish. They'll take anything, but they've got to have settled weather. Everything needs settlement. Um, even a migratory fish that's coming up, up the river needs settled weather. If he's been in there for quite a while, he'll need settled weather to get back to his own self. I found as soon as July into August comes, right, these fish have got one thing on their mind, and that's to get up river. And, you know, we've you've got to get after them then. Um, you know, the, the rule of thumb, really, on most rivers, are if you're a tidal, you know, if you're lucky enough to live near tidal water, then them fish will hang around for a long period of time down there because they haven't got no real rush as such to get up. Because yeah. obviously they don't really spawn until until the end of the season. Your local rivers are the Mouthach and the Union. Have we fished any others this year? You yeah. were planning on fishing. David, did that didn't come off, no? Yeah, well, I did I did fish I did fish the Dovey, yeah, the upper reaches of the Dovey. Um I had some success on the upper reaches of the Dovey as well. Um, I fish, to be honest with you, Kerry, I fish multiple sea trout rivers throughout the season. Well, I try to anyway, depending on how the conditions are and if it's worth me going over there. Um, I fish the Conway as well, um, which isn't too far. I'm pretty central, really. You know, obviously the South Wales rivers are a bit of a trek for me, but the North Wales rivers, so I've, I've got the Dee, that's not too far away from me, the Conway, the Dovey, um, as well, I've got the Ustwith as well. If I want to go to the Ustwith or the Rydal, they're all good rivers. Um, but um, obviously, we can't do them all, and that's why I really, I just, I fish what's on my doorstep. Not because it's a better river than any anywhere else. It's just that it's on my doorstep, and really, as a sea trout angler, that's that's your own backyard, and it's that's perfect. where you fish. Yeah, it's perfect, really, for you. You can just. Pick and choose if the weather's not right or the conditions aren't right. Yeah. Even if we just get to the water and you think, no, nah, it's not far to go. Yeah. Or if someone else is in your pool, that can't be much fun when you you no. know it's good. Tell me the story. Remember the story you told me earlier yeah, on? Tell I do, me that. Yeah. yeah, so it was a typical night. Great sea trout night, you know. The temperature was right. Water levels were right. Check them tides. Everything was spot on. Um. And I'm glad sometimes I listen to my instincts. Um, so what I did, you know, I <laughs> I put the alarms on. So I went. What I do, I go for a for a bit of a nap before going out because if I've got to work or something the following day or I need to get up for something, stick the alarms on. Um, and I so you come home from work. Came home from work. Have an hour or two. Yeah. Um, have an hour or two. Put the alarm on, but obviously I slept through this alarm. And got up an hour late, so I got up and I didn't know where I was. And I was like, oh, God, you know, what do I, am I going to go or not? And I thought, yeah, bugger it, get out there. So I got up, got all my waders on, my rod was already set up. 
I had the flies on because I knew what I was going to do. So I got down to the to the car park, walked down, rushed down. Do so you keep your rods set up all the time? Yeah, my rods are set up, you know. That's yeah, cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah throughout, throughout the whole season, really. I'd never break them down. You know, change the leaders, obviously, but, don't, you know, put the put the right flies on. Um, but I got down to to the pool, two guys on there, and I was like, oh, God, left it too late, I thought. So I shouted over to him, any good, boys? Turned around, they said, no, rubbish, I wouldn't waste my time, they said. I was like, I'm going to try it anyway, because I'm, I'm here now, and that doesn't mean anything to me, because no, they haven't caught, like I thought. So I got in the water, got in the head, within two or three casts, right, bang, this fish hit me. And what a fish it was as well, it came out the water, and it was like somebody throwing a cow in off the other bank. Bush, a hell of a deep splash like that. You, oh. I knew that this was a big, big Definitely. fish. You know, with, with the depth of the splash, and he took off down the pool, and I couldn't put anything on him. Right, I had to get after this fish, and he just kept going. He passed these two lads, and I said, "Move out the way, boys! He's passing you." Uh, and I grabbed him. I was I had my I had a firm grip on the rod, and I was. You know, because he was pulling so much line off, I, I all I remember was putting my hand round, round the, um, the spool of the reel and trying to stop it, and it was just burning, burning. And he kept going down like this, and I could, I could I couldn't see it obviously, but I could feel, and I and I heard that backing loop going through, ding 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 ding, and I knew then I was into the backing, and I thought, oh no, that's it, like, yeah. and I thought. Oh. So I carried on going after him. I thought, and next thing, crack. I thought, what was that? And everything went loose. And I thought, oh, I've lost it. But what happened? The, the back end had snapped. Oh, <laughs> I take some doing. It does, yeah. But what I found out, and it was a schoolboy error, really. I never checked the back end, and it had rotten inside. Yeah. And I should have checked this. You know, I should have stripped down my. Um, my reel after la- after the previous season and checked it, but I never. No one would. No one does, do they? And this happened, and I was like, "Oh God!" So I don't know where the reaction came from. Switched the light on, dropped the rod on the floor, and grabbed the line and started handlining it around my hand. You found the back end. Yeah, I found it. Well, I found the end of the fly line because I could see the color of the end of the fly oh, line. Right. So that's what stood out in the light. Grabbed it, and I thought, "Oh!" The-. And he, I could still feel this fish, and he was gone. Oh, I was good. So you wrap using your arm as a reel in effect then? You yeah, yeah, my arm out straight, well, to an angle like that. Yeah. And I was just wrapping it around my fist, like trying to, right. you know, trying to get, because this fish, I was like, this oh. isn't getting off. He'd been on for so long. And I thought, right, that's it. You're, you, and then he came off. And I thought, oh. and you know that feeling when you just lose a fish. I was shaking like a leaf. And I thought the adrenaline was so high. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to have to go home now. You know, it's it's finished. The night's finished. And I just sat down on the bank and I thought, yes, I know what I'm going to do. I I stripped the back in, back down to where it was solid, the back in, and I had a good grip on it and I knew it wasn't going to snap again. Tied the fly line back on, set set myself up, put my, put my flies back on, got back in the same spot and I was into an eight-pound fish almost instantaneously after. And I was like, you know, I, it, just, it just went to show, you know, don't Take some th- doing, yeah, to to just pick yourself up, yeah. After it, losing something special like that, yeah, I just didn't let it pull me off. You know, some some people would have gone home. I just, 
I don't know, it's something was telling me, you know, there was more fish there to be had. Yeah. And they were on at that time. And I got back in and but they were fish that wanted it, you know. You know, they were they were putting that fly in their mouth and they were gone with it. And um yeah, after that night, um about those guys didn't know. Oh they what, what you were doing? Well, they they just looked at me and they said, Oh, you know, I can't believe it. You've had you've had two fish like that in almost four casts. You know, and you've only been here what? Thirty minutes? And I said all I said to him, that's sea trout fishing. And that's sometimes how it how it works. Um and you know, there's no rhyme or reason why these things work. In sea trout fishing, the only thing I can ever say to anybody is you make your own luck. You know, a lot of things will just fall into place. You'll you'll turn up on the riverbank, you'll cast out, oh, I'm into a fish. But at the same time, you've got to ask yourself, why have I just got into that fish? You know, there's there's so many things and minute adjustments you can do um, if things aren't working. So when these things aren't rosy and these nights are hard um, and you haven't picked the fish up and you know the fish are there, you've got to just change something sometimes. And by changing things you get that small bit of a reaction and it gives you that intelligence then to go forward. And I think through my whole life of fishing so far, all my all my past experience goes on past intelligence. So what I mean by that is, you know, everything that happens on a night, since I was about, I don't know, 18, say, I've written everything down in a diary. You keep a diary? Yeah, I keep a diary of conditions and, and methods that I've used. So I, I keep writing all this stuff down. Um, and it helps because it won't be exactly the same, but it'll be there or thereabouts, you know. Um, keeping keeping these records, reading data of what you've done. Because you, all I found was I tried to do it without a diary and you can never, f- for the life of you, remember what you did to the exact and I, I write everything down so the length of my leader you know the distance I've got between flies the weight of my flies in that certain pool at that certain time uh, I go back and I do exactly the same thing and I catch more or less you know obviously you're not going to catch the same fish in the same spot you know but he'll be there or thereabouts um, it's just that you've got to keep and that's I think that's what makes it I noticed on your flies like you you've got your own twist on most flies, and these like sp- spider yeah, patterns spiders, you've got. You yeah. know, there was a lot of movement in them, and I was noticing. You know, we were looking through John Graham's flies he gave me yeah. before he passed away, and I could see you were like looking through them and studying them. Yeah. Do you actually use standard traditional flies, or do you always like to push the boundaries and try and make them even better? You know. Every fly that you fish should have a purpose and should serve a purpose. You know, there's no point in tying a fly because it looks nice. You know, the, I know a lot of tires, right? They tie flies and they're lovely and they're great tires. But if it's a fishing fly, for me anyway, you know, it's got a suit purpose. Um, you know, I've always tied flies that'll fish in certain conditions. And like you said there now about uh, the spider series of flies that I bought out. They're to suit low water conditions, you know, what we're mostly greeted with throughout a sea trout season. These flies were designed 
to fish in low water for the movement in them, you know, to trigger these fish to take. And sometimes I fished pools and I'm thinking to myself, how can I fish this pool, this low, low water pool, without spooking the fish? And, you know, when the water's low and you've got a lot of uh, residual light left in the, in the sky, and you're thinking, these fish can see my fly line, you know? You're lining in these fish with a line. And you're thinking, how can I get a fly and get a presentation that's going to get these fish to take? So it was always for me, these flies came into their best, had a down and a cross or directly downstream cast onto the fish, showing them this the fly, obviously before... Before the leader. Before the leader, or anything. So it, it, this is where they work best, you know? Some Sometimes with... So with fast water, high water, they don't get the time. Specifically for low water, yeah. where they got more time to, to yeah. see... Yeah. Well, they'll work, do you know what I mean? They'll work in in most conditions. If you can get the fly to the fish but when they're at their best is in low water so when that fly is coming down you know our fish and uh, it's quite sparsely dressed as well isn't it? yeah and that's to suit its purpose as well they get down a lot quicker yeah. but they're, they're still carrying that movement as well yeah, with the length of the hackle yeah and it what that does is changing profile and silhouette you know it keeps changing and it's there in front of them and it's just pulsating there and for me, food memory, shrimp, you know, keeps changing. And they're looking at it and they think, sometimes you can hang it. I'm sure, you know, I I'm, I can't see what's going on under there. But f- from what I can gather, you know, I've put it through a shoal of fish before and it'll just nip, 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 you know. They don't really want that fly. What it's doing, it's getting on the nerves. They'll keep nipping at it and people like strike and keep striking but to me, on nights like that, you won't catch them fish because they keep nipping. That tells me they like they don't want it. They're messing about there. So that when I bring that fly across, I think to myself, I'll just leave it there, and then I'll just give it a small figure of eight back, and that's where they lock up on it. They'll just mouth it. I know that they're not they're lethargic because you know the lack of oxygen because they're. With them flies, they're always hooked in the lip, or very what, lightly hooked. With those flies? With them flies, yeah. What, on the, on the roof? Yeah. The top I, lip? Yeah, either in the roof. So, what you need to do, some fish I've caught, they'll be hooked in the in the, in the the lip, or in the roof of their mouth, like you say. That's purely because I've not felt the fish quick enough, I've struck, and I've hooked him in the lip, but ideally... If I, if I get a good pull off him, I'll try and strike down into my own bank. So I'm I'm pulling it straight in, into his scissors, if I can. So by doing that, you know, you'll get a better hook set on the fish. So Something we spoke of earlier on about um, almost like a sixth sense. Yeah. And sometimes when I'm fishing slow, like when you're fishing like a team of nymphs or, or buzzers, when you've got a, a fair length of line out and you're fishing, just keeping in touch with the line more than anything. Yeah. And then... You strike because you th- you think there's a fish there, and he, there is. Yeah, and it, it's almost like it's it's not a take, but you can actually feel the weight of the line 
there's a little bit of weight which is different. And you were saying you experienced that this year quite a bit. I've experienced this with a lot of different fish species. So in in the way of sea trout now, it's hard to explain this this sort of uh, take, if you like. You know, you, you try and monitor your line at night as good as you can. You know, even at the darkest of times, you know, you're trying to monitor your line um, where where it is or how far away you think it is from the take zone or where the fish are. And something changes in the drift. And you just know sometimes that that fish is there. And you lift, yeah, the fish is there. And it's you you, you kind of knew that it was going to happen. And you felt something like a tension or a, or a slight change in the drift. And you yeah. just lift. And I've had that experience with a lot of things. It's the same if when I'm nymphing as well. Because when I nymph for grain or brown trout or something, you know, you'll come along... There won't be any th- indication off off your indicator or off, or anything really. You won't see anything, and you just give it a quick strike. Oh, there's a fish there! But it's, you know these fish will sometimes flies are coming along. They'll just put it in their mouth right and spit it out as well. But if you don't, if you're not quick enough to react to these slight changes or minute changes in your drift. Then this this then becomes you know the difference between convert you know converting takes into fish on the bank you know and for me you know that's again this season's been like that you know where fish have been very not too bothered about uh, aggressively taking the fly but you know that's how the seasons run as well. Will you concentrate on tying flies now? I guess through the winter. Yeah, I know you said you're gonna. You, well, you've already started on the grayling, but do you sort of psychologically now you think you put sea trout to the back of your mind, or you're always living and breathing it, really? Like? Yeah, you know, what I try and do is get my grayling flies out the way, tie them first, and then um, I'd say when March comes, really, I start to look at then sea trout flies again. Start to get my boxes together, get flies in order, yeah. get all the flies that I need for that season, because being prepared will always be the best way forward, really. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a patron, where you will get weekly podcasts plus access to over 150 past episodes, plus behind-the-scenes photography, perfect listening over the winter nights. By listening to this episode, you're probably into sea trout. By joining my Patreon for just £5 a month, you can listen to Rob's first podcast episode, plus other sea trout expert guests such as Alan Rees, Jamie Harris, Ethel Griffiths, Cyril Fox, and the legend himself, John Graham. To sign up, visit patreon.com forward slash castingwithkerryjones or visit my website castingwithkerryjones.com. On a fish to do the end of last season, um, you took me on this one stretch, and I was surprised how light it was because it was quite near the um, there's like a bypass, a dual carriageway, and uh, we had fish from that pool. Do you find that it makes a difference how much light there is on the water? Yeah, it's for me. It all depends where we fish. So you know. Fishing near a road or where there's any sort of light pollution, 
where there's any any built up area, there's always going to be a lot of, of light. So these fish, once they've been in a river quite a while, they'll get used to these this this certain light, and it doesn't really seem to you know disturb them or put them off. It um, they just get used to it. I suppose it's nice to be on certain stretches of the river, like you mentioned, the Davi and the upper reaches. Yeah, when there's there's the real remote stretches where there's there's no light. No, it's quite nice to fish those sort of places. I guess yeah. more stealthy need. Yeah. I guess well, more you know the top the, the upper reaches of these rivers, you know, are always very remote, so. There's hardly any light. It's you and the fish and running water. You know, and dark, it's it's dark on another level in these places sometimes. It's Bible black, is yeah, it? Yeah, Bible black. Uh, yeah, up, 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 right, right at the upper reaches of some rivers, right? There's hardly any light. You hear nothing. Not a car, not a light, no nothing, no road anywhere. And you just feel, it's kind of a spooky feeling sometimes, you know, like, I've had that. And I'm sure you try fishing and you think there's someone standing behind you or there's, you hear something, but you know, it's just hardly anything, you know. Over the years, now, the over recent years rather, you've made, you have made a name for yourself as probably the number one, I would say, <laughs> sea trout angler in the country. No, i, I got to say it. There's not many people I could say catches as much as you in a regular consistency. You're obviously on top of your game. Have we ever thought of doing any traveling and fish other international venues then yeah it's you know it's always come across my mind to travel go to these places where you know like the rio grande we can go and fish for big sea trout there but in all fairness i think by the way i've fished over the years you know obviously there's a lack of fish in, in wales and all over the UK, to be honest with you. Now it's sea trout and salmon are a bit scarce, you know. And what it's done, it's given me um, more experience and knowledge about the fish because I've had to work that much harder, you know, to catch these fish. Interesting uh, to say that because when I spoke to the late John Graham, yeah, he thinks that anglers today are better anglers than when he used to fish. It's because there's less fish. Well, yeah, you've got less of an audience, haven't you? But, you know, I, I grew up in a time, Ked, when, you know, the fish were just starting to dwindle, right? And, you know, I remember, I do vaguely remember the shoals of big fish that we used to get in, right? Um, but because of the way my mindset was, when I uh, started consistently catching sea trout, you know, I had an audience of fish and I was able to you know, experiment, put things by them, run things by them, just to see how they'd react to things. But some people, they'll turn up, they'll fish the same pool, fish the same flies, fish the same line, right? And go from there and say, oh, the fish aren't on or something like that. But because I fished with an audience of fish, I was able to experiment. So not a lot's changed in the way of how the fish think and behave. The only thing, the only thing that's actually changed, is the obviously the amount of fish that we've got to play with these days. Um, so for me now, it's more of a, a hunt for a fish. Um, and when I yeah. found my fish and I know he's there, then I can work then 
to him and I can actually then that's what's been able me to adapt on intelligence and being able to actually successfully intercept these fish regularly and consistently. As we started off on our chat, we said, how has your season been? What are your most successful flies this year? So, obviously, at the start of the season, we were greeted with low water conditions. So, as you know, um, as I explained before, my spider flies work well in low flows, low river, they come into their best. So at the start of the season, my spider flies, so, you know, like the PR night spider, I caught a seven pound fish at the start of the season on a PR night spider. Obviously, uh, there wasn't a lot of fish about then, but as it was, it was low water, presented my flies in the correct manner to this fish. Obviously, I didn't know the fish was there at the time. I was just prospecting through the water, came across the fish, but I was fishing the tactic that I, I know that works in a certain pool at that certain time. And as well, another fly that did well early season, and to be honest with you, throughout the season, um, fished as a dropper fly was the, the Muscovy that I featured in the Fly Fishing Journal magazine. Great fly, you know, it works well, not just for its movement, profile and colour, you know, throughout the, the back end of the season as well. Uh, right. I always, I've always, as a rule of thumb, as I've fished red as a back end fly, only because I I find that that shade stands out better to the fish. So it's more of a, a drab shade of red. It's not bright. It's it's drab coloured red, so like a scarlety colour. And obviously, these fish, I don't believe they see much colour. To be honest with you, it's it's the lightness of shades. So yeah. shades of black and white they see. So as they're fresh in. Blue seems to be the colour. Light blue seems to be the colour when they're fresh in from the sea because their eyesight is... They lock on onto these lighter colours start of the season because with sea trout, the same with salmon, the longer they're in the river, the more their eyesight deteriorates. So, you know, the, as their um, protein reserves start to run out and um, the longer they're in the river and in fresh water, obviously then their eyesight gets less and less and less. So that's why at the start of the season, you can get away with fishing very, very small flies and summer flies for salmon and sea trout. But then as the season goes on, you've got to go bigger because their eyesight is getting lessened. So that's why, you know, I... I didn't know that. Yeah, so I'll always fish, uh, you know, bigger at the end of the season as well. So as well for the sea trout as well as salmon. And gone into the red. Yeah, and you know, into the red coloured flies as well. So what was being your, your your main fly line you can see? Of course most of you. Well, I mix and match my fly lines up. I carry m- multiple um sink rates with me, so um the fly line I get most use out of and I utilise quite a bit is probably just a floating line with um poly leaders or fixed fly lines. Uh, with sink tips, yeah, and then I'll mix and match my flies off the end of that, you know, to get the weights. Sometimes you get good use out of an intermediate line, you know. It it uh, this all depends. All this information. You use an intermediate, yeah. Yeah, I'll use an intermediate. Like you know, if I've got a a, a, a wide river in front of me where there's a good flow to it, um, not much drop offs or obstructions, and 
you know, it's uniform flow. Um, I think then the intermediate line comes into its best when, you know... Does it drag the fly more then, though? Yeah, this is the problem with intermediate lines. This is why You I can't mend it, really, can you? No. So as soon as you've cast an intermediate line out, you know, it's it's sinking as, it, as soon as you as it hits the water, really, you know. And if you've got any fish near you or near your feet, which sometimes you have, you know, they're not going to see the fly. All they're going to see is a dragonfly in the deck. Yeah. You know, it, it's not effective, but it is effective in some spots. Um, this will only apply in certain rivers because obviously every river is different. Yeah. Um, the flow and, and, and the, the characteristics of, of certain rivers are completely different. So, you know, even methods sometimes won't apply. It's like you can read as many books and stuff as you like about sea trout fishing, but them certain methods that that certain person used in that certain pool does not apply to your river. You know, you've got to make your own way and your own path in sea trout fishing. And that is the best bit of advice that I can give anybody is to, you know, do your own, be, be your own person and make up your own And stick to choices. one river to start with, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, stick to that river, learn your river, and once you've learned that river and learned the behaviour of the fish, more so learn the behaviour of the fish. After that, really, you've just got to learn the structure of different rivers, you know. And, and I suppose it's having confidence, knowing there's fish there. I remember when I came up and yeah. with, with you last year, um, after, after we had the nights fishing, you went home and I slept in the van beside the river. And in the morning, I must have been, I don't know, six o'clock, whatever. I just walked to the bridge and I looked over and there was one big salmon, uh, about two or three seed trout, probably about the four or five pound. And it was about a dozen, maybe not a dozen, but it was eight, eight to ten smaller fish. Yeah. And then about two hours later, I went back. Yeah. And you couldn't see them. No. And I don't think they probably moved from there upriver. They're probably just in certain places where you're not likely to see them. Yeah. And this is what, you know, a lot of guys, they'll... Uh, I'm not one for doing it, really, because I, I, I just tend to know if there's fish in a pool, if there's fish not. You know, at a certain time of year, they should be there. Um, You know, you go out scouting for fish, um, having a recce, having a look at... There's nothing wrong with going out and looking at the water and, you know, having a bit of a, of a recce and a... But... When you're going out looking for fish, you can go to a pool and you can see nothing. You know, you look in there and you think, there's no fish here. But that then would put a lot of people off from going to that pool. But I'll go to a pool and I know there's fish there and all I've got to do is stamp my foot. Boom, 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 like that. Where I think fish will be lying and they'll answer me and they'll boom, boom, boom. That's all you hear back. So... If there's any rocks or anything in a pool where it undercuts the bank, where fish can stuff in and they can get into the roots or yeah. whatever, you get above them fish where you think they are and they'll tell you they're there because they can feel vibration through the floor and they, they can feel that straight on the lateral line. And what they'll do, because if there's a few fish there, they'll start darting about underneath, bumping back. So they actually answer you to say, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> you know? Jesus, speckled end is good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> You yeah. talk to the fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, the, the, you know, there's little things like that that will tell you there's, there's, there's fish present in a pool. 
But the biggest telltale is, you know, you'll you'll arrive at a pool just as dark comes. You'll sit there, and then the next thing, whoosh. Yeah, whoosh. yeah. You know, people have actually said to me, you know, why do you think sea trout jump, you know, at first, at, at that light, when that light starts to fade, why do you think they move? There's two things, right, with sea trout fishing. When you arrive at a pool and you hear that fish crash, and then there'll be another one crash. You know, a lot of people will ask, why do they do that? Nobody actually knows why they do it, but through my experiences, obviously, these sea trout, like I just explained with thinking there's no fish in pools, they come out of their daytime lies, and they'll come into the middle of the pool, and they'll all be swimming around each other, right? And they've all, sea trout at night, have got their own lies, right? And if there's anything... They're making the mark. They're making the mark, right? And they're saying, that's my spot, right? And that's what that fish is saying. He'll jump, bush, get out of my spot. That's one, right? That's one example. The other example is, if there's a fresh fish just come up through the run and into the pool, then that's upset all the other fish in the pool. So they all start, you know, getting up on the fin, start jumping around, like, because they're all fighting for these spots, and then it all go quiet, and then you won't hear a fish then for a long period of time. You yeah, might hear the you odd, that, yeah. And you might hear the odd fish, you know, jump. But afterwards, you'll very quiet, you know, and you'll think, yeah, right now's the time I get in. Once the fish have settled, you know, you wait. Patience is is the main key, right, before you start fishing, and having that patience to wait until them fish are totally settled, and then you'll just creep in very quietly. Because I've always found, right, these are very... Obviously, they're brown trout, right? And I fish for a lot of brown trout. All they are is sea-run brown trout. And you'll enter the river. They know you're there soon as you get in that water. Unless it's running water, you can get away with it. But if it's a still pool, my advice is stay out the pool. Because as soon as you put your foot in, whoop, they know you're there. And you know, they... You, you'll get that sense like you've upset them so in all fairness like I never I never I if I'm on tidal stretches where I've got to cast the fair distance I'll always have to wade like to get to the fish but the biggest problem is once we're coming up the system obviously then we're greeted with more gravel right and gravel starts to build up so then you get in that crunch when you get in the water you know, they can hear it. That vibration sends straight to them. But when you're down on the tidal, it's more sediment bottom, clay bottoms. So you're you're a bit more quiet and stealthy when you get in. And that's that's a massive key to me is stealth. You know, when you're fishing higher up, you know, don't be wading in, you know, and starting to fish. Think about what you're doing. Let them fish settle. And once they have settled, then you take that very subtle approach to the fish. So often you'll wait until the crashing stops. Yeah, wait until that crashing stops. You know, if, if, they're, if they're jumping about, don't get in because all you're going to do is disturb them further than what they disturbed already. Mm. You know, and this is all... That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, it's all behaviour. You know, learning about fish behaviour. Um... And you know, I've I've studied them 
these these sea trout and you know suin we call them um studied suin for a long time um the behavior oh, how many times right i've gone out just walking the river bank you know not intention no intention of going out fishing and catching them watching them you know you, you can you can stand there you know if you i go back a few years ago now when we used to have shoals of fish i used to sit there for hours you know creeping up on them watching them watching the behavior how how they react to different things or you know there's, there's so many aspects to why they do things and you know that's why i find that the fish were very interesting there's nothing that compares to sea trout fishing um and that's because they're so emblematic you know and so secretive you know very very mysterious yeah interesting you say in um First of all, you said sea trout and suing. Yeah. When I was speaking with Ilted, yeah, I don't know if it's the same across different rivers, but specifically on the Devi, he said, any sea trout, any suing, yeah, up to three pound, mm. they call a suing. Yeah. Anything over three pound is they call a sea trout. A sea trout on the yeah. Devi. Yeah. Well, it's the same. Yeah, that's an, it's all North Wales, you know, and Mid Wales, you know. South Wales, they call them all suing. I they believe. do, don't they? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you know, I, I, I've always that's my being my rule as well. You know, uh, same as Islid stated there. You know, it's it's always been a, th- a three pound fish or above is a sea trout. Anything below yeah. is a suing. So yeah, you know, a lot of them schoolies we call them. They're all suing. So it's fascinating stuff. I, I, I love learning new things, and I've, I've definitely learned stuff tonight. Now, if you could sum up then. Your top three tips for anyone fishing for sea trout. Yeah. What would it be? So my top three tips would be, you know, control and line management, the depth of your flies and your fly choice would be is be very crucial, right? Because there's a fine balance between your line and your flies, right? And to get that balance, you need to be always trying to mix and match these balances to get that reaction. And once you get that reaction, you've got something to go on. So that would be the second one. And then probably the third bit of advice is having the right profile and silhouette for the, you know, for the depth of water you're fishing. So I'm a big believer in, you know, in the silhouette of your flies and changing silhouette in flies. You know, there's no, for me, there's no point sometimes having one fly with a pronounced silhouette. It's always good for changing silhouette. Know, for for the fish to see two different things, so that would be my you know three tips there. You know that, that's always kept me in good stead. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat, and talking about sea trout fishing is more enjoyable, I find, and it brings a romance to it. And while you're talking, you imagine yourself by the river in the dark, and you hear and that crashing and that, yeah. you know. And this season is the first season in as far as I can remember. Yeah. I haven't fished for sea trout. So next year now, you've given me so much incentive. And instead of leaving it till the end of the season, which the last few years I have, we'll have to try and get together and uh, have a few evenings, nights next year. And I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to that as well. It'll, um, it'll be good to 
you know, to reconnect and have a good night fishing again. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's always enjoyable, you know, I always look forward to it and it never gets old, you know, the feeling of going out sea trout fishing. You know, I never, you know, I never get really tired of putting my waders on to go out. Sometimes you go, oh, I can't be bothered tonight. But I always go out with the attitude of tonight's the night again. A good bit of advice that I've always found and to give and to tell somebody is be the fly, right? In sea trout fishing, because everything is pitch black, we've got sometimes nothing to look at, right? So you've got to, sometimes, you might as well shut your eyes some nights, you know, it's so dark. You've got to be the fly, and you've got to imagine, as soon as you've cast, right, you've got to imagine how that fly is fishing, you know, and imagine how that fly is getting presented to the fish. So, always imagine and try and have that imagination of how your fly is getting presented to the fish. And that that always has been key to me because sometimes a lot of guys and a lot of anglers will relate to this now. Before you actually get that take, you knew it was going to happen. You know, you knew that fish was going to intercept that fly and you were ready for it. And that's what I mean by being the fly, you know, the fly's coming across and you're like feeling it round into the current and all of a sudden, even before that fish touches it, you're ready to yeah. set that hook, yeah, bang, yeah. and he's on, you know, and that's that's being sharp, you know, and being sharp will always catch your fish, converting takes into fish on the bank. Being the fly. Being the fly. And in the meantime, we'll have to make do with a few more bottles of beer and talk more fishing. Yeah, definitely, we'll have a few more now. <laughs> Many thanks, Rob. Hey, cheers, Kerry. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a Patreon. We will get weekly podcasts and access to over 140 episodes, behind-the-scenes photography to go with each episode, plus other exclusive content and prizes. To become a Patreon, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with kerry jones or you can find the link on my website casting with kerry that's all for now in tight lines and may they always be up in the wave <laughs>